Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. And if this is your first time being here, thank you so much for being here. The only thing as great as a first-time listener is a repeat listener. So thank you all. I think that covers everybody. And today's episode is with Twitter famous Canadian, a Twitter famous Canadian. I mean, we are trying to get representation in every way possible. We have Canadians on now. And her name is Lisa Marie, and she, by day, is an EMT, but she has amassed one heck of a following on Twitter with her consistently hilarious jokes and general awesomeness. We talk about how all of that came to be, how she comes up with these jokes, and trolls. We also throw in a little love for Lin-Manuel Miranda. So we cover all the bases of being decent people. She's great, so let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Lisa Marie. I've been following you on Twitter for some time now, and you're hilarious, and it was a while into following you on Twitter that I realized you don't do comedy for a living. You're actually in the medical field. Yes, I have been on Twitter since 2009, and I've been a paramedic since 2011. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess uh, you did start on Twitter before you started being a paramedic. I did. I was a flight attendant when I started on Twitter. Oh, okay. And were you, a lot of people, If sometimes you can go back to 2009 and see someone's tweets from then and they're just kind of standard tweets. Uh, but were you in 2009 and 2010 making jokes or were, you, or were they just standard t- tweets? I was always making jokes, but I was definitely also live tweeting TV shows. Every now and then, I'll go back in time and just look at some of my older tweets, and it's one of those, like, face palms, like, (laughs) I hope no one ever finds this tweet. Every now and then, I'll find a gem that I retweet now that you can retweet yourself, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's pretty palming, like, face palming. (laughs) It's embarrassing. And I only recently found out you're Canadian as well. I am. I'm from Newfoundland, Canada, and no one knows where that is. It's the furthest east you can go in North America. Okay, because I I thought, just because of that fact, that you were going to be more west of where I am in New York, but you're actually east of me. Yes. <laughs> so, um, how is the rest of the day? You're you're ahead in the day than I am. Is it is it okay? Is the next hour and a half all right? all right we still have flying cars or anything but we 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 do the best we can with what we have if i could send you the winning lottery numbers i would probably use them myself but (laughs) now you mentioned something interesting back there about um you're a paramedic now but before that you were a flight attendant so how did you go from being a flight attendant into doing paramedic work 
So I was a flight attendant for almost three years, and I operated out of the exact same hangar as the medevac, the air ambulance. They would go pick people up in rural communities that don't have access to health care. Sometimes they'd actually show up to accident sites depending on where they could land. And I thought that was the coolest job ever. So I went to school and I became a paramedic. Interesting. Okay, very cool. And um, that's a very... Uh, so. You- sounds like you were really inspired by the experience so that's cool absolutely i love my job more than anything awesome um and how does comedy end up fitting into that i mean were you a performer growing up were you just always the funny one who was uh, in a room the funniest person in the room all the time or did this just happen you were just like saying stuff on twitter and it blew up I come from a really funny family. I have to say my dad and his brothers and sisters and all my cousins on that side, all of our family dinners are just roast battles. <laughs> and I don't even think I'm the funniest one in my family, to be well, honest. You know, and, I've heard a lot of like famous <laughs> comedians say like, yeah, I'm not the funniest one. <laughs> no, I'm not. And then I just, I don't have Facebook or any other social media. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes I just started tweeting things I thought were funny back when I had two or 300 followers. And then every now and then I would see something that got retweeted like a hundred times. And I would be, what, what? I got retweeted tens of times. (laughs) I thought that was super amazing. And then now I can log onto my Twitter and see things that have made this cycle, you know, 10,000 times or more. And I just think that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I imagine for the average person, that's just not something someone can ever really get used to. No, and I'm from a small place, so a lot of my friends are local, and they they see these things, and they're like, did you see Lin-Manuel Miranda retweeted you the other day? And I said, no, but I think that's amazing, and they don't understand it. That happened? Yeah, that actually happened. I, I kind of lost my crap a little bit on that one. I, I think totally that was the would. Most if Lin Manuel yeah. just looked at me, I'd be like, oh, uh, great job, air horn. And then I would immediately call my girlfriend. <laughs> like, you won't believe who looked at me on the street. I know. I, I actually, I uh, I tweeted. I didn't tweet. I texted my partner. I'm like, did you see Lynn manuel Miranda actually retweeted me? And he was like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's phased by anything of anymore. He's just kind of like, funny. oh, cool, cool. You're, you're here. Someone retweeted you. That's a thing that happens. Yeah, for you. Yeah, it's super normal now. Um, <laughs> so uh, what was the particular tweet? Do you remember? Yes, it was... Uh, I open the window and the wind blows 84 hamburger wrappers off my desk. Oh no, my research! <laughs> I, th- I saw that one. I wh- when was that? Was that recent or was that like a year or so ago? Man, that's a year, maybe even more. It's it's an mm-hmm. older one that kind of just got rooted out. I think that's how I found out about you. Um, I don't know if it was that particular retweet, but somebody retweeted you. And I do remember that tweet. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. This is the thing. This is a thing that's annoying to someone who's pursuing comedy like <laughs> like I am. Uh, is that you're so naturally funny, and it it seems to come off effortlessly. Of course, um, you're gonna probably totally dismantle that statement by saying like, "No, I put a lot of thought into it." But it just seems like so off the cuff, and yet it's so the jokes are so perfect. The original thought is there, and I just don't know how you do it. 
Honestly, I just tweet whatever I think of. There's no draft folder. There's no anything else. I just think it and I tweet it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does really well and other times people just at me and they're like, no, Lisa, no, (laughs) stop. But the thing I've noticed when even some of the jokes that maybe don't do as well, they still get a bunch of likes, you know, so they're doing decently well. (laughs) There's just some really kind people out there. They're like, oh, look at Lisa. She's trying. Let's give her a little heart on that tweet. I see you people. I appreciate you. And thank you for being there for me in my time of need. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess what I would say, um, not that I can give you any advice, but definitely don't start trying because that will ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I wish I had a teacher that would have said that when I was in school. Lisa, you don't need to try. Just just put yourself out there and just leave it be. <laughs> but for real, I mean, I feel like there now that I'm studying the way that I'm studying improv. I mean, I'm, I've moved to New York. The people who've listened have heard this a million times. But I moved to New York a year ago to learn more about comedy, uh, mm-hmm. taking improv classes and reading a bunch of books and all this sort of stuff and you start getting into the, like the mathematics of it or the nitty-gritty or how it all works just like these like pedantic aspects of comedy and it makes you kind of go through a stage of just not even knowing how to do it anymore and it's like how do I be funny I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now and it can sort of break that for a little bit and then then you get back at it of course but it's just a tough time period and makes you not want to do it sometimes. So I think if you were to like read a book about how to write a, and craft a joke, it would just make you not want to do it anymore. <laughs> and, and we already have something special with you. So just don't mess that up at all. Some of the people closest to me are actually comedians in Los Angeles. And I get I see them get up there and do their thing and they just crush it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the audience watching them and like a little pee is coming out because the idea of getting up there and doing that just terrifies me. <laughs> so they have bigger balls than I will have any sort of lady balls. So much credit to them for just getting up there and doing what they do. I think they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very fun and exciting. I am always surprised when someone who's funny says that, though, when they say like, oh, I could like I've heard improvisers say oh i can never do stand-up and actors say i can never do improv or stand-up it's so it's too scary but it's like you you're really talented you're funny how could you not be how could you not think that you could at least do it i was a flight attendant for three years Mm -hmm. and i was a single flight attendant for a 37 passenger aircraft so i was the only one there to do the announcements in both english and french we didn't have an automated system at that time Mm -hmm. and every time i would do the announcements i kind of like hid around the other side of of the curtain in the galley just so people wouldn't see me doing them oh wow i remember when i was in training um I was standing there, nervous as hell. It was either my first or second day. I'm doing the announcements, and this guy in the front row keeps pointing at his crotch. And I'm thinking, this is the most embarrassing, disgusting thing I've ever seen. I hope being a flight attendant isn't like this. Then I realized I did the entire demo in safety and English and French with my fly down. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's what I think of. I think of those times that I did public speaking technically for a living, and... I still hated it. I loved my job. I love interacting with people. And mm-hmm. I used to throw jokes in there to see if anybody was paying attention. Like in the event of a water landing, the person next to you could be used as a flotation device. Right. 
And then people will kind of look at me and I'm like, you are paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that was what um, started you on a, a more entertain the masses standpoint when it came to comedy. No one listens to you. <laughs> I mean, I fly all the time and I don't even pay attention to the person speaking half the time. So I credit yeah. anybody was willing to listen to me when I talked. It was never exciting. <laughs> I often feel a little guilty, and I, so I, I pull out the little safety pamphlet that they have there. I always pull that out when they say to like follow along, and I, I maybe don't always follow along, but I just feel like I want them to know that I, I care enough. I guess that's the entertainer in me, like the stage performer in me, who's like, please pay attention. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the moral support that all those flight attendants need honestly even if i'm not listening to them i always try to make eye contact with them so they think mm -hmm. i am and I'm, I'm looking at them like i got you yeah I'm listening to you you yeah. do what you need to do i'm, I'm supporting you <laughs> i applaud sometimes when they're done you know <laughs> ask them if I've they have done a that occasionally too. it's awkward for everyone <laughs> especially when you applaud when you're done yourself you know if you ever applauded yeah. yourself Oh yeah, I guess I have, but it's I'm always alone, and I and so I'm I feel less shame when I'm alone, and I applaud myself. Um, I give myself pep tops when I'm alone. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite one is like put on pants and reach your potential. Uh, my friend Robert texts me that all the time first thing in the morning when he knows I should be up and I'm not. I'll I'll look at my phone and it'll be like, get up, Lisa, put on pants, reach your potential, and I'm like, really do I do need to put on my pants and reach my potential. <laughs> um, I mean, that's like those, speaking of Lin-Manuel and, and positive vibes, that's like the first tweet that he sends out in the day is always something along those lines, you know? He leaves out the put on pants, but it's always like, you go get him today. He just seems like a lovely person. I've he never really met does. him. I probably never will, but he seems mm -hmm. like the guy to have a coffee and a chat with. He seems wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I I did see a video online. Somebody saw him at some show and they pulled out their cell phone and immediately started recording as they started walking up to him and she was just freaking out. And so I've heard a ton of actors and celebrities talk about how they don't like that, you know, like it's uncomfortable and it's it's rude if they're in the middle of dinner or the middle of a show or just like spending time with a loved one, you know, like to come up like that and just be so strange. But he was truly so gracious and, and like really generous with his spirit and his time towards her. I was... I was like, this guy is the nicest guy in the world, and I hope we don't ruin him. <laughs> I, I hope so, too. That's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. I go to L.A. all the time, and uh, all these celebrities are out there, you know, like animals in the wild. And it's like, <laughs> this is their natural habitat. You leave them be. Like, There's no <laughs> yeah. rolling camera right now. They are not on stage performing. And even if they were, they're performing. It's not your job to get in there and stop them from what they're trying to do. Right. I've right. met a couple in real life, and... Honestly, I usually pretend not to know them, so it's not awkward for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done that move, too. Um, I did meet Bill Murray, and since he's the reason I wanted to become an actor, I just had to go up and speak to him, even though it was like he was at the bar with his friend. But I went up, and I just said, pardon me for interrupting. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I feel like if you are, if you go up and just say, if you just have to talk to him, just 
Make sure they're not in the middle of eating. <laughs> Make sure they're not holding their child or something like that. Um, <laughs> and just just go up and say, please excuse me for interrupting. I just had to shake your hand and say thank you for your work. Now I'll let you get back to what you're doing. You know, <laughs> and and that with Bill Murray went perfectly smoothly with me with for me because it actually went as perfect as one could imagine because he joked around with me a little bit but at the same time like I have heard of him throwing cell phones so you know because <laughs> he threw a cell phone off a building once I heard and it was because the person rudely came up and just started snapping shots and it's like listen that may be wrong to throw a cell phone but uh, you know don't walk up like that well I hate it. I mean, no one wants to do that stuff with me because I'm just a regular girl from a small town. But I can tell you, if I was eating my dinner or out with mm-hmm. some kids or something and people were just coming up and taking pictures like I was some sort of pizza rat, yeah. I would <laughs> lose my crap. I, you know, this is not your moment to, to come in on. I I, I love movies. I, mm-hmm. I love Hollywood. I love all that stuff. And I have so much respect for these actors and actresses and the work mm-hmm. they do. And as much as I appreciate them, and I hope they know that I appreciate them, if I see them, I'm just going to keep on walking just because I feel like mm-hmm. that's the only way I can show how much I do care about them is to just let them do the thing. <laughs> yeah, if I make eye contact with somebody, then I will nod, like just a, yes. a polite hello. But I'll do that with anybody because yeah, I'm oh, from same. the south of America. So, you know, <laughs> we talk to each other all the time, even if we're complete strangers. <laughs> Same on the east coast of Canada, and I found that weird when I started going on the west coast that I would smile and say good morning to people, and they'd be, do I know you? And No, just saying good morning, and they would look at you like you have ten heads where it's just normal here. Oh, yeah, it's like Connecticut here. You know, if you someone could be staring at you, and so you'll wave at them, and they'll just keep staring. They won't say anything. They won't wave back. They'll just keep staring at you. It's like, all right. If I go for a walk, I'll say good morning and wave to everybody I pass. Like, that's... Yeah. Just the way it is. You're yeah. rude if you don't. <laughs> and yeah. where I'm from in Newfoundland, like it's, it's a small place and everyone is, oh, my love, my sweetheart, my oh, dear, no. my trout, which I'm not fond of. <laughs> and trout? Oh, my trout. It's like a term of endearment. They're like, oh, yes, my trout. Come on over. I give you something to eat. You know, it's just <laughs> the way people talk. And I started going on the West Coast. And even with my patients, I have a very loving bedside manner and I'd be like all right my love what can I do for you oh mucky my dear I'm here let's see what we can do and people would think you're flirting with them whereas Mm -hmm. here it doesn't matter if you know somebody or not like everyone is my love and my sweet because that's just Mm -hmm. how we talk to each other yeah I love that I do too I think it's a real sweet way of living like everyone is mostly there's going to be arseholes no matter where you go but I think everyone is mostly kind and they care a lot about each other but yeah I get some places and I throw my east coast ways out there and they look at you like girl got something wrong with her don't you call me my dear I'm married I've gotten that before and I was like oh sorry backing up the train (laughs) I'm sorry good sir how can I help you on this morrow what's bleeding (laughs) I'm glad that we connect in that way I mean I, I guess down south I don't I never got into the habit of saying anything like, Hey sweetie, but there are a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the south of America. <laughs> I'm like, Oh hey sweetie, hey darling, what you want to eat, darling? But that all comes from, you know, people from different places taking their their cultures mm-hmm. and their stuff everywhere. I understand it. I mean here it's it's nothing. I can go to a store and somebody I don't even know calls me my sweet and I don't think a word of it, but I 
do understand when you're not from that kind of place. Someone calls you my sweet, you might think they're talking down to you or demeaning you or something. Oh, that was yeah, that's sure. never my intention. I am a very friendly person, despite what some people may think on the internet. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, so let's chat about that for a second because that did happen just last week. Um, you had a tweet go viral, and you were ex- you're telling a story about something that actually happened to you, and you got so much. So the trolls just came out and just spewed a oh, bunch of hate. Left, right, and center. It was right. Not- so what was the story that you tweeted about? And it was on International Women's Day, correct? Yes, it was. Um, I made a tweet about how I respect International Women's Day and still feel we need the we need to have one because I showed up to a car accident scene about five years ago, where the guy um, was a little inebriated and he had driven kind of off cliffside. And just for the record, he was not injured as much as he was stuck. Mm-hmm. But we were called and I just happened to be the first one that got up to the car. Mm-hmm. I was not the only one there. I was just the first one who made it to the car. And he rolled down the window and he was like, why the fuck did they send you? <laughs> oh, God. And I looked at him and I was just like, well, I mean, I can see who else is available. It might take me a minute or two to get up there. but." And then his girlfriend or whoever she was was in the next seat and she was just like, no, 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 let her help, let her help. And he was kind of fine after that. It was just the initial reaction. Right. But then all these Seeing people a woman on Twitter were like, I wouldn't want a woman to help me either. And I'm like, I didn't do it alone. Like, right. there's a team of us. I'm just the first person that made it to the car to but check on the But even if it was a team of women, what's the big deal? Uh, everyone said that. They were like, oh, well, I wouldn't want a female responder. Just for the record, um, when I was in paramedic school... I had to do the exact same test as all the males in order to go out on my first work term. Mm-hmm. And what we had to do was we had to do um, two minutes of CPR on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then me and my partner had to lift the dummy onto the spine board. And then it was a 180 pound dummy. And I had to always lift from the torso because that is the heaviest part. Mm-hmm. Load him in and out of the ambulance and then carry him up two flights of stairs and down two flights of stairs. Mm-hmm. And I did that just like every other man. And it was challenging. Honestly, I dropped it a couple of times learning, but I finished it. And that's how I got to go out on my work term. So, mm-hmm. of course, you're supposed to be the same. And people were writing back saying, oh, well, women have different standards. And maybe they do in different industries. But I know in mine, it is a standard. Mm-hmm. And then people were saying, oh, she made this up because nobody whose life is in danger would question who's coming to him. Given all the hate I got, I think we proved (laughs) that people would discriminate. And also Mm -hmm. his life wasn't in danger. He was mostly, again, inebriated and stuck more so than he was hurt. But looking at the car, you don't know that. We just had to Mm -hmm. show up and get him out of there. Well, you had the full gamut of what's wrong with the way people engage others on the Internet come at you that day. Because I saw a little bit of it, but as a general rule, I try not to read the comment section. I had blocked that thread because it made me cry. Now, there was a lot of niceness in there, too, by the way. I had a lot of very strong women telling me some very powerful stories that moved me. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of thank yous, a lot of really sweet comments, and I don't want to say that that got lost in there, but I had to stop reading despite those wonderful things being in there Mm -hmm. because the hate that was coming back made me cry, and I accidentally, well, I didn't accidentally, I on purpose uh, deleted my Twitter for a day or two. Right, yeah. 
and I missed you for that day. So I was glad that you came back. But you really did get it from all sides. I mean, you had the people who were the deniers. You had the people who uh, were just trolls for being trolls. And the people who were taking out their own anger on you. And, uh, and then, you know, because the trolls... Sure, we know that there's something wrong with them. We know that they're sociopathic and that they're just saying things. Right. They're just trying to get this energy out and they don't even necessarily believe what they're saying. But you are also getting the people who do believe that stuff, who are just legitimately misogynist, who are saying this this stuff. And it's it's was a really good example of how not to do the internet, you know, like just from all of those those comments. It was what is wrong with the internet right now. There are some men who think that they're being very complimentary by sending me uh, a unsolicited dick pics. I will never want to see your dick. I don't know. Even if ever. you need a medical opinion, that's not my specialty. Please see mm-hmm. someone else for that. Mm-hmm. And then some people are all like, oh, you're so smoking hot or you're so sexy and some things about having intercourse with me. Mm. Those are not compliments. I know you might think that, but imagine if you showed up to a stranger on the subway and just said, wow, you're hot. You'd probably get slapped or even worse, if you unsolicited took out your dick, mm-hmm. you'd get arrested. Right. Like, if it's, it's such not a strange safe- thing. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up a really good point that. It's sad that it has to be pointed out because it should be obvious that you wouldn't say those things to a stranger or do those things to a stranger. And they know that. They know that they wouldn't go up to someone on the street or on the subway and do that stuff. But some of them do because they're mentally Oh, yeah. Ill. There's always <laughs> going to be those perverts and the exceptions to the rule. But that's my rule. If you wouldn't say it in person to a stranger, what makes it okay to say it to a stranger on the Internet? It makes and- no sense. I see it all the time, you know, like... I don't know what it is because I don't – so I follow a lot of different people and I see just a strong difference between what a John Mayer gets versus Mm -hmm. what the AT&T girl gets. You know, John Mayer does have people who say like, marry me or I love you, but that's strange. But it's not borderline criminal or actually criminal. But the stuff I've seen people say to uh, the AT&T girl – um, is like I've even said stuff to guys like, dude, what are you even thinking? You there was a guy who was an actor who was like pursuing acting, but he wasn't famous. Who said the grossest thing to her, and I was like, what are you even thinking? Like this is public, people can see it, and you want to be a public figure. Like what do you think? Like that's wrong in every way to say, and then dumb personally for you. <laughs> Like, what are you, what are these guys thinking? I just don't get the, I don't get why that happens. It's painful. And you know what? Not everything that comes out of my fingers on that Twitter is a gem. And I'm the first to admit it. Sometimes when you feel passionately about something, you don't do that 10 minutes thought to type and mm-hmm. you say it. And that's just the way it is. But I've had people tell me that I should change my avi to a male and change my name to a male so I would get better traction on my jokes. And I refuse to do that. I always use my face and my own name because I want to be held culpable for what I say. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have that, when you're one of those people that has a fake name and a fake Abby, it gives you this quote unquote freedom to say whatever the heck you want. And a lot of times it's cruel. Mm -hmm. I tend, or at least I try not to do a cruel Twitter game. And if I'm ever calling anybody out, it's because they've sent me a dick or said something that was so incredibly hurtful or inappropriate that... Mm -hmm. 
they deserve it. I block way more people than I call out on Twitter. And that should tell you something because I call out a lot of people who are just mansplaining or sending mm-hmm. dicks or doing things that are just wholly inappropriate or demeaning. Yeah, I've I've blocked a couple of people, but I love the mute button. Um, <laughs> because oh, I- with the mute, they just they think they are saying a bunch of stuff to you and you're just not seeing it and you look uh, to them like you're just taking the high road when you're really just like flipping them the bird and saying let i'll just let you spin off into craziness when i looked the other day i had over 800 people blocked since 2009 wow i will not mute somebody who has sent me a dick or oh, this no, one guy do that. created yeah. one guy has created over 12 accounts i think it's almost 16 oh, um, God, to send me pictures the diaper guy? Yeah, the diaper guys. That's troubling because I, I kind of felt I did a little dive into that because I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, lots of people have had issues with that guy. And I have no idea, like, what is Twitter even thinking at this point? You know, like. I, I have never once interacted with him. I immediately report and block. Yeah, I don't. You know, there's a lot that. Twitter is trying to do, but I just feel like they have really failed um, from the get-go on handling this stuff. And um, you know, they and and now they're trying to say the right words, and they're still not quite nailing that even. So it's like you know, just do a better job because this isn't the same issue. Like this is a bigger issue on this platform than it is on others. Um, so I don't I don't know what it is about their deal. I haven't had Facebook since about 2012, but I can guarantee you I never got any unsolicited dick pics on Facebook when I had it. I don't know what it's mm-hmm. like there now. It could be like landmines of dick pics. I don't know. But uh, whatever it is I about think- Twitter, it attracts a different kind of person. You know, like they're like they're obviously normal people, but you know the non-normal people are really attracted to twitter for some reason and i don't i don't quite get it and then the use of bots is really out of hand and um you know maybe twitter will do something about it maybe somebody will make a better version of the same tool or service and we'll all switch to that you know <laughs> like uh you know that's maybe when capitalism can uh, help us out <laughs> like the competition will make them have to get better I have no idea, but it is terrifying. I had open DMs for a while because um, I'm very public. I've had seven miscarriages. Um, It's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And I know what it's like to feel lonely and don't know what to do when those things happen. So I had open DMs for a while. And I used to open it, and it was like a tsunami of dick pics. Mm. And I had to close them. So I had them open for a reason that, you know, was, was pretty dear to my heart. But I had to shut it down because that was painful. And then I get a lot of people on Twitter going, oh, you won't follow me back. You won't follow me back. Well, if that's the kind of stuff I get in my public ads, imagine mm-hmm. what my DMs look like. So mm-hmm. it's it's no insult to anyone if I don't follow you back. Some people I've just communicated with a lot in ads. I start to trust them a little bit and I follow them back. But mm-hmm. it takes me a while just because of people like Diaper Guy who have just ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is... That's a, such a bizarre situation. Um, and uh, just for the listeners, don't do not do a Twitter search for Diaper Guy. It's just not worth it. <laughs> oh, please, please don't, guys. It will haunt your dreams. And not really sexy will. haunt like Patrick Swayze. I mean like terrifying haunt like no, Poltergeist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It looks like Chucky a little Ugh. bit. <laughs> he kind of does, actually. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. Um, so just imagine Chucky in a diaper. 
Uh, <laughs> the sad part is, is that's probably a sex fantasy someone didn't even realize they had until you said it. So you just did that for someone. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> well, uh, I always wanted people to learn from this podcast, but I never thought they would learn their freaky deaky sexual fantasies from it. Well, every day you learn something new, but no one says the new thing you learn has to be inventive or <laughs> positive. Right, right. Um, let's chat some more about just like you creating your work and uh, your comedy on Twitter. So w- do you have a particular approach that you go with? Are you, are you um, saying I, I want to have X amount of things written a day or, or anything like that? I have an overactive mind for <laughs> sure. And Twitter has given me an outlet, but I barely think about it. I, t- I think something and I'm like, oh, that would make a funny tweet. And then all of a sudden I just send it out into the wild. And again, not everything is a gem that comes out of these fingers. For every <laughs> you know hit, there's probably 20 misses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I just try it that way. There's a couple of times, too, where I've been like, man, if I was a guy, this would be hilarious. Then I might like text a guy friend and I'm like, you should tweet this because this would be funny. <laughs> And what, so what distinction is that? Why do you think, because it's like just from a male perspective? Yeah, things from a male perspective, for sure. Um, there's been times where I've been like, oh, this wouldn't work coming from me. And I try to think of different ways I might be able to write it. It still doesn't work. And I'm like, I need to donate this to a male friend. Is there any sort of uh, process that you're going through when you think of something like it really just comes out fully formed like that, or do you ever... It, no, it comes out fully formed. A lot of it is self-deprecating, because that's mm-hmm. the bulk yeah. of my humor. When I make fun of people, 85% of the time, I'm making fun of Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm yeah, I'm noticing... Here's a, a, a favorite. Uh, eating my fourth plate of dinner. Sorry, Freddie Mercury was insistent that my fat bottom was vital to the Earth's rotation. It's a solid joke, you know? Like, <laughs> Thank you. I like that one, actually. It's one of my favorites of mine. Oh, I guess I, I should have said sorry. Is that... Is that I, I said sorry, like the American <laughs> Southerner that I am. Um, <laughs> no, but that's like a really great joke, you know? Like, it's it's connecting a couple of dots. If people don't know, Queen had the song Fat Bottom Girls, You Make the Rockin' World Go Round. So, you know, Bye. like, great connection there. My biggest regret is that I spelt Freddie incorrectly. He spelt it with an IE, and I think I spelt it with a Y, and some people hit me oh, on that. No. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. I was you just know, I like, well, you got it, guys. It's got too many retweets in the wild now for me to just take <laughs> it down and fix it. But I think I even amended it and wrote down, I know I spelt it wrong, but I stand by the sentiment <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, I mean, lots of uh, fun stuff there for people to check out. There's more uh, fun stuff on there, but. I, I, it sounds like to me your key to success is self-deprecation, but also being spontaneous. Would you say that's accurate? I would, I would say that's accurate. I do tweet a lot too about gluttony and overeating. I think a lot of us eat our feelings and those seem to resonate the most. All of my overeating tweets and my food tweets tend to do better than anything else I tweet. Okay. We're hungry people. <laughs> I mean... And to a certain degree, and this is something for people, like, if you're chasing fame, that's not going to be a good thing, because you weren't chasing it. You just put some stuff out, and then it just took off. Yeah. I'm and just it, a regular person. Yeah, and that's just how it is, you know? Like, it's, it's. I have not taken off, but I don't think I have a bunch of jokes as funny as yours, so that's part of the that's reason. sweet. <laughs> no, yours are hilarious. Mine are not. I feel like I'm still figuring out how to write a tweet that's 
funny in and of itself. I've, I've thought about it. I mean, I've submitted articles and stuff to places that were looking for funny critiques and funny mm -hmm. pieces and stuff. And I've been rejected for every single one I've ever submitted. So mm. I have tried. It's just, <laughs> I think maybe I or my followers think I'm funnier than a lot of these publications do. <laughs> well, I, and, and you're saying here that you have a particular approach. I mean, what does not approach, but, um, you're saying you have a particular point of view that you tend to talk about, like with gluttony and, or, yeah. or what have you. And I think that helps too, because it becomes part of like an identity. And when you're, yeah. if somebody's hitting a bunch of different topics, then sometimes people don't know how to take them in. But if you streamline it, then it, it helps, you know, it, it, that does help make a difference. And it probably helps to even write stuff when you're thinking like, here's something like I saw a guy throwing out pizza, a slice of pizza, you know, like that was a real story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouted that in the work cafeteria and he didn't get the joke at all. <laughs> it was something like, I saw a guy throw a slice of pizza in the trash and I shouted, wrong hole, wrong hole. But like any man, he didn't care. <laughs> yeah, great joke, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and like if people go to your Twitter account, they can see your top 15. And um, that was... Uh, that's pinned at the top of your Twitter, which yes. is, of course, is is going to be in the bio, but at X Leaser X. Yes, and you even said Leaser right. No one gets that right. It's a Simpsons reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, like, just some people just say words that end with A with an ER for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> your name's Lisa, and some somebody might uh, from certain parts of uh, North America might say Leaser. <laughs> yeah, I've had my tweets on different things like Talking Dead and CNN and stuff, and they try to quote it, and they're like, at X Lyser X, and I'm like, oh, hey, that's me, I think. <laughs> well, uh, this was fun. I really enjoyed this chat. You're as delightful as I thought you would be. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. Um, let's try to figure out something that we could create together. Now, um, maybe it could be a tweet. Maybe we could joint come up with an idea for a tweet or, or like what a tweet could be. So um, here's something that, that has to do with food uh, that happened uh, uh, the other day. I saw this the other day with my girlfriend. We were on the train and some guy tried to start a fight with another guy on the, on the subway car we were on. Um, the other guy uh, was holding... <laughs> Like a like a pizza box, um, and uh, then also when he got off the pizza box, guy got off the train and was trying to like run away. The guy, the really aggressive one, threw a bottle of soda at him and, and or soft drink. I'm from the south; we call it soda. I'm not sure what they call it in East Canada. Pop, <laughs> pop, yeah, yeah. Um, so so. Maybe there's some sort of joke there about how I was afraid for the pizza the whole time. I thought it was really considerate that the guy threw him a drink to wash down his pizza. <laughs> see, that's I mean, a that, that is sheer <laughs> kindness that you do not see on the New York subway. It's like, look <laughs> at this guy. He's got this big slice of pizza. And it's like, do you know what would go well with that? Here's a Coke. And, you know, just throws a bottle of Coke at him. And I think that could be, that's a Coke commercial right there. <laughs> 
There it is. I think we've got it. That's that's a great. <laughs> you of course made that funny, and I had just a small idea here. I'm happy with this collaboration, and I I, I hope he used the soda. Otherwise, that was kind of wasteful. <laughs> I don't think he did, and that was heartbreaking. Oh, that is kind of heartbreaking. I mean, you know, the guy gave him an inch, and he took a coke. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Lisa. Thank you for having me, Jason. Really great having her on. And I asked her if she had anything she wanted me to send you listeners to. And she said something really nice that I liked. And I'll just let her say it herself instead of trying to rephrase it. Here's Lisa again. Just send in some cheer and some general good vibes, man. Like, not everything needs to be some sort of angry at. You don't need to jump on a bandwagon just because it's going in a destination. Have a staycation. Stay where you are. Be happy. Enjoy being in the moment. I really appreciated that sentiment, and I appreciate her sharing it with us. It's something that's going on now, right? You know, like, people just not being healthy with how they engage using technology, whether they are online or just like, I don't know, shutting themselves away from the rest of the world because they're having their heads buried in technology. Studies are actually being done to show like the effects of technology on us. So hopefully we will get on the right track, but it's going to take a concerted effort from all of us to just behave better, especially online. Now I'm going to make a segue into following us online and interacting with technology, but uh, I'm just going to trust that you're going to be nice about it, all right? So behave, all right? Follow Lisa on Twitter, at XLisaX. You can follow us as well. We'd love it, at There It Is Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Jason Farr Jokes. It was really great having you with us. Thanks for being here. Check out old episodes on iTunes, and you can find out more on old episodes. Read the blog and support the podcast by going to thereitispod.com. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.